Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story, they are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Every time you meet somebody, you're looking for things in common, uh, for bridges. Uh, sometimes when you meet certain people, you realize they've got more things in common than usual. In fact, quite a few things. Well, um, that's exactly what happened when I met David Stanford. I've just realized that we've had similar journeys, that we've done mission work, that we've done Bible colleges, that we've known so many people who uh, we've crossed paths with, but we haven't actually met each other. Well, when I did meet him, I've realized that we've got a lot in common. And today at Kingdom Stories from Down Under, it is a privilege to introduce to you David Stanford. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. When I read your bio, I thought, man, there's, there's so many things, you know, there's probably <laughs> about 10 or 12 things, about a dozen things that we, we've got in common. We've done so many things that are very similar uh, and we've coexisted almost in the same city for so long, yet we, um, we haven't sat down to, to have a cuppa before, have Amen. we? Amen. Yeah. Good time to start. Good time to start. It's, <laughs> it's what happens from now on, isn't it? Yeah. Born in Harvey, down south. Yep. Uh, great beef and uh, orchard country. Yes. Um, uh, Dad was a building contractor, but I always wanted him to be a farmer. I love farms. Yeah. And I was always on the farms with my friends. Were you on acreage or were you in town? No, we are just on the edge of town. My uncle had an orchard around the corner, so we spent a lot of time in the orchard. Apples, peaches? Uh, oranges. Oranges, okay. Always free oranges. And, yeah. Um, yeah, my cousin and I, we did a lot of, uh, had a lot of fun there. So, uh, yeah, uh, born there, had a, had a reasonably fun upbringing. My, uh, my parents were old when I was born. I was, uh, I was the last one by a long shot. I got a lot of four uh, three other older siblings yes and uh, mum and dad were 42 43 when i was born so they always okay. seemed to be old so in some ways i grew up like an only child in other ways i grew up as my wife says a spoiled child <laughs> was there a big gap between the last one uh, and yeah nine years between me and my next one okay that's why so uh, some of my my eldest nephew is only 12 years younger than me so yeah okay. Well, that's similar as well because my mom was 40 when she had me. Oh, okay. So <laughs> there you go. It's a bit scary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we just had a baby and I won't tell you my age, but <laughs> much older than what my mom was. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. uh, it, it doesn't change things too much. No. But you were spoiled and that's always good. You <laughs> Blessed. Know. Blessed, yeah. Blessed in many ways. I mean, mum and dad were a part of the, the Harvey Church of Christ. Yes. Um, had been all of my dad's life, and so I grew up from day one in that church. Strong community? Uh, yeah, strong. Not a massive community. It wasn't a church that um, was huge, but it, like a lot of things, as you look back, you realise there were so many people who seemed old back then Yeah. who prayed for you so much. Yeah. You know, I was a bit of a mischievous sort of fella, um, but just realising the grace of God in having people who... Uh, I guess bothered with me, bothered yes. to pray for me, bothered, bothered to encourage me, and uh, I'm just forever thankful for them. Yeah. Mm. Nice. And uh, school? Uh, yeah, I went to uh, Harvey Primary School uh, for seven years, then Harvey High for three years. So oh, there's a high school there? 
Oh yeah, now it's a now it's to year twelve, but back then it was only to year ten. Okay. So I um I was a good student. I was good at sport and uh, quite a quite a good academic student as well. And your brothers uh, is it brothers and sisters or uh, two sisters and a brother? Have the, did they move to town or did they stay in in Harvey? Uh, one's still in Harvey. She's been in Harvey her whole life. Uh, one moved from Harvey and then worked around Australia, different places, and is now living back in Australind. Okay. And my brother, he was he went into building like my dad with my dad, and then uh, he's done different things. He's now living in Perth. So you you still had siblings throughout your sort of growing up. Yeah, but someone's not always around me. Yeah, yeah. Now and again, they'd be there. From when I was eight, my sister was over in Melbourne, and then lived in Would Perth. Would she send you gifts or yeah modern <laughs> modern modern high tech gifts or what yeah was things it? like well, this was back in nineteen sixty. My brother brought a footy back from Melbourne, and my sister sent me um, for uh, my eighth birthday. I think it was the Secret Seven books. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that was. Um, oh, but you remember? So I do remember. Some it was of those it was things. beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Very. Because I, I had my older sisters was, uh, my older sister was thirteen years older than me. We're seven. Yeah. So you know, every time they would come home from the city, we live in a smaller town. They would get me gifts and yeah. bring me bits and pieces, and we were always excited every time they came across. Yeah. Now, from when when I was five, also we had a beach called Binning Up Beach and Mile Up Beach just out from Harvey, and uh, from when I was five to forty five, we had a house at Binning Up. And so oh. a lot of our time was spent at the beach. How far was that? An hour um, and 10 minutes? Oh, no, 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 no. 15 minutes. Is that is Harvey that close to the ocean? Yeah, Harvey's about 10 or 15 k's from the ocean. Only? Okay. Yeah, so it's quite close. Oh, straight. Just straight across uh, the Forest Highway? Yeah, just okay. straight across there. Okay. So I remember all of our Sunday school picnics were out at Binning Up. My dad had a truck and my uncle had a truck and all the kids would be on the back of the truck. Heading out to the beach, you know, yeah. things you wouldn't do today. No, no sunscreen, nothing. <laughs> oh, the sunscreen, we didn't even have any. We just put a plank on the back of the truck on bricks. Yeah. The kids would sit on that and we'd head out to the beach. At 40 k's an hour. Oh, no. I don't know. I didn't check it. I was only young, but it was just, just a lot of dust then. and, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Dad Freedom. used to pick Freedom. up. Dad would pick up kids for the Sunday school in the back of his ute, you know, yeah. go around the different farms, pick up kids. Was he a Sunday school teacher, was he? Uh, he he was an elder in the church. He was a Sunday school teacher. He ran the Sunday school wow. for certain periods. Not um, sometimes, yeah. So the community was very strong. Yeah, it's a good strong community. Harvey was. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Um, a lot of uh, high rank politicians and also business people of Australia, they grew up in country towns yeah. and uh, they become what they are today. And they are so grateful. I think growing up with a free mind, you know. Uh, I think you have a lot of time to think, you have a lot of time to imagine, you're close to the land, you're close to, you know, real life yeah. stories, you know, you're close to all the people. I think in the city, people are sheltered, children yeah, are sheltered from the elements, they shelter yeah. from real life, real work, they shelter from, you know, people as well. Yeah. You know, you're always afraid somebody may snatch your child, whereas yeah. in the country, that phobia Different. doesn't even yeah. exist. And I guess you don't appreciate it when you're only in school you know yeah. appreciate everything good about the country at 15 yeah um but yeah i mean it, it wasn't always good stuff you know yeah 
there were some uh, challenges, but um, it's certainly a good lifestyle. Yeah. I don't think I, I would ever live back in the country, but it's certainly a place I love to go. I need to be there yeah. at times. But as a child, it would it, it is it's phenomenal. Fantastic. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And the school, I mean, you probably didn't have 30 children in the class. There were only maybe... 15 or 18? No, 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 no. It was big classes. We big had class. probably 25. Yeah. yeah. But I, I just feel that the teachers have more time. The, the, the pressure is not like the same in the city. And, and not the same as it is in 2021. Definitely. Totally not, different. No. Yeah. And you can't really compare. You yeah, know, the I periods. mean, we're talking back in the 60s yeah. as opposed to... You know, 55, 60 years later. They could still smack you back then in school. Yeah. <laughs> I never got the cane. You know. I don't know why. I guess I couldn't... You ran caught. too fast. I didn't get caught. I was a fast runner here. <laughs> and then uh, you moved to Northern or... No, I moved to Perth. Um, to I finish to... your 11 or to study your 11? Yeah, or... year 11 and 12, I moved to Perth. I went to boarding school because mm-hmm. uh, we didn't have a senior high school in Harvey. And um, I'd become a Christian in, when I was about 14, 15 in Harvey. And, um, Even baptised? Yeah, I got baptised when I was 14, just before I turned 15. But my decision was based more on a, a life insurance policy. You know, yeah. It's like if what this guy is saying is true, and I'm pretty sure it is, then I'm on the wrong side of the, the ledger. I'm on. I'm going to hell. Yeah. And hell wasn't something that uh, I was really liking to go to. So no, no, it's not attractive. I thought, well, attractive. if I become a, a Christian, then at least I'm on the right side. And yeah. if Christianity is not true, then I'll, it won't change my life that much. Little did I know. <laughs> so I became a Christian based on that, and God in His grace took me and. Um, actually changed one big aspect of my life. He changed my language. I used to swear a lot before that. And that was one even, thing. Even as a kid? Yeah. yeah. More, more so in the years 12 to 14, 15. You know. Okay. I didn't do it deliberately. What school did you come to at the boarding school? Uh, Scotch College. Oh, so your parents had to pay big money for that. Well, back then it wasn't that much. <laughs> um, compared to what it is now, no, it wasn't that much. But... I was the only one in our family to have gone on to school anyway. Okay. Most of my, my other three siblings, they left at the end of year 10. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think it was back then it was $500 a term Yeah. for boarding. Which so would be, let's say, $5,000 now. Maybe 10. Oh, 10,000. It costs probably, the equivalent would cost 20000 now. Yeah. Oh, no. That's more. Yeah. No, probably not. Yeah. yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, Dad was, as I said, a builder and he, so he had access to money and so invested in you. That. yeah so when you finish your 12 so back in, being in the city what was it like being in the city now you had a bit of independence a bit of freedom you could try things well not really f- there was some freedoms but being in a boarding school there Very, was some constraints yeah you couldn't get out you could more than say in a girls boarding school yeah <laughs> but um, there was some freedoms but I was um, I came to Perth pretty insecure in who I was as a person. Yeah. And the boarding school doesn't help that. No. You know, so the two years in boarding school weren't my favourite two years of my life. Were you bullied? Um, a little bit of verbal stuff. Yeah. But the fact that I was academic and I was good at sport, that sort of got me through yeah. in a lot of areas. No, I, um, I was never physically bullied or anything. But it was just a... Uh, a place that you're, you're wary. Yeah. 
you know, it wasn't a place where there was a lot of camaraderie. Were you good at footy? Or, or? Um, footy, I was okay at, but more the sports I was better at was basketball, tennis, hockey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Scotch is known for, for many sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of activity. Yeah, yeah. and it's a fairly, uh, fairly academic school as well. Yeah. So I was nowhere near the top there. Alcohol? Uh, never. No. I tampered with, it, tampered with it a bit when I was probably 18, yeah. but minimal. Yeah. Smoking never picked it up? Um, uh, once again, between 15 and ni- 18, 19, yeah. mucked around with it. But no. Never serious, though. No. Mm-hmm. So you, you transitioned through that stage quite well compared to many other young kids who uh, went astray. <laughs> In terms of that area, yeah, I was... Um, I was okay, yeah. So what did you, you went to teacher's college afterwards? Now I went to UWA. Yeah. And um, once again, I was wondering um, what to do because no one in our family had even gone on to high school, let alone to university. And um, so I ended up thinking I'd become a chemist, a pharmacist. Yes. Or a vet. Okay. Both of those, or veterinary, you had to go over east to, to do after first year. Yeah. But uh, so I did uh, a fairly difficult course in uh, first year. It involved physics, mathematics, chemistry, and zoology. Yeah. And uh, it was pretty tough. You know, we had 32, 33 contact hours a week. And oh, full It was time. a heavy course. Yeah. And um, I found halfway through that first year that I was, like, struggling. Hmm. And I thought, see, the only thing I find pretty easy here, or pretty straightforward, was mathematics. Yes. And I thought, what could I do with mathematics? I thought, maybe I could become a teacher. Math- mathematics teacher. teachers are very well sought after. Yeah. But the reality was I couldn't stand up and say boo to a goose. Uh, you know, I was very shy, shy insecure. Um, but anyway, I ended up uh, switching over and in middle of first year. I took the education link. Yes. But I still had to finish those units and, mm. and pass them, which I did just. And so then at the end of that first year, they put you onto a, uh, uh, a school prac for three yes. weeks. You know, done no education stuff at all. Yeah. And we go to one of these little primary schools of grade sixes up in, I always remember it, Maida Vale Primary School. <laughs> I was in this class just petrified. You know, all these little kids around and the... The teacher says... And you were only 19 or something? Uh, 17. 17. <laughs> uh, 18, 18, 18 at this stage. And the teacher said, I've just got to go to the office. If uh, anyone asks what to do next, just say, do this board, go this one David. next. Yeah. And uh, I thought, don't ask me any questions. And this kid, the little girl says, uh, so do we do that board next? And I go, yes. <laughs> I managed to get out something. and yeah. But within two days, I was flying. Yeah. Just lying it. I did frog dissections for them and... Uh, oh, biology, a bit of. Uh, yeah, because I'd done that in zoology at uni, yeah. so we did all this stuff. And it's almost like God took teaching yes. and used it as a training ground for ministry. Wonderful. Developed my ability to speak, to present um, and communicate. Yeah. Mm. Beautiful. And... Uh, did you connect to a church when you came to town? When I came to Perth? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, it was interesting. The only thing that really connected me with church when I came to Perth, I'd played one game of basketball 
with the South Perth Church of Christ team. Yes. Uh, when I was in Year Twelve at uni at mm-hmm. uh, Scotch. Yes. And so when I went to uni, I suddenly thought, for the first time in my life, I can do what I like. Uh-huh. I've got no restrictions. Yeah. I've got a car. I've got no one looking over me. Where were you living? In an apartment? Or? No, I was living at a place called Kingswood College, which is one of the six yeah. colleges across yeah. from yeah. UWA. Winthrop Halls, yeah, across the road. Uh, yeah, 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 just across the road there. So I thought, I can do what I like. But inwardly, I thought I should really go to church. Yeah. So I'd become a Christian so three years Scotch, before. There wasn't much church. Uh, only we had a chapel. Yeah. You know, and a chapel. And then I'd go home for holidays. We'd go to church in Harvey and things like that. So I drifted along to South Perth Church of Christ mm. and linked in with the basketball uh, program there. And um, So they had a basketball team? Yeah, uh, we had a number of teams at church, yeah. Wow. And so I, um, but I didn't really connect with people because I was still insecure in terms of, I didn't know if anyone really wanted me around or not. Yeah. You know, and so I kept my distance a bit. I just, I just kept that edge. But it gave me a, a little link to this is my church. Yeah. Even though I wasn't fully invested in it. So they used to have a morning service and a night service. You had a place to belong. I tried at least to some degree. So I'd go at night. Yeah. You know, which is a bit more lively, a few other a few young yeah. people there and it was quite a big church. And back in the uh, the seventies it was sort of a church that if people wanted to take a non Christian friend you along to it. at night, they'd take them there. Yeah. Quite a strong pulpit ministry. Yeah. Altar calls, even. yeah, strong, yeah, <laughs> strong altar calls, and so that um, I, I often laugh about it, but basketball was the one thing that took me to that church. Yeah, the fact that I'd played one game when I was in year twelve, and um, it's been a been something that's changed my life over the years. Yeah. yeah, so that's how I connected with with South Perth Church of Christ. Mm. Beautiful, and uh, so you you. Began attending the evening services. Yeah, so and from there, I was still um, probably the back end of my second year of uni. Mm. I made what we called a rededication. Yeah. To Christ. Yeah. I really thought I've got to go for broke in this. Yeah. I, I'm. I walked into my room at uni. Yeah. And I thought. I'm going to throw Christianity out the window. It was the August of 1974. I remember it very well. I'm going to throw Christianity out the window Mm. because it's not working for me. And Mm. God spoke to me. (laughs) He said, but you can't because it's true. And I thought, ah, stuff, I know it's true, but it ain't working. Yeah. And God basically said to me, you've got a foot in both camps. Mm. It's it's not going to happen. Yeah. And so he showed me a picture. Mm-hmm. And the picture was, I'm at this level. Yeah. And if you throw Christianity out the window, if I throw Christianity out the window and do what my mates are doing, then I'm going to go down here. But because Christianity, Christianity is true, and I knew it was true, Yeah. at some point in my life to go anywhere, I've got to come back through this same point oh. to go anywhere. Yeah. And even in my very irrational state, I was quite depressed at the time. You I'd, were, had, a, I'd you, had a fairly major breakup with a girl who I thought I was going to marry, and oh. and I was pretty depressed. So it was maths to you. It was this. This was the negative. This was the the x-axis. And <laughs> this was. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't thinking mathematics. At that point. So I remember thinking, that's dumb. 
Yeah. Because what might happen down here could be a lot of baggage that brings no good at all to yeah. my life. Yeah. So I thought, I think I need to go this way. Okay. And I thought to myself, what does going that way look like? What does it mean? And one thing I knew it meant was connecting with Christian young adult people. Yeah. Which I hadn't really done. And so at South Perth Church of Christ, they had quite a good number of young adults. Mm. And they used to meet on a Tuesday night. Yeah. And so I thought, I'm going to start going. And so I started to go along to that Tuesday night group. Yeah. And started to be a little bit embraced by them. Yes. The next year, um, one of the young couples from church, actually it was John Bond's brother, mm-hmm. uh, he said to me, why don't you come and live with us? We've just bought a house in Como. And I thought, wow. And it's almost like that step really put me on a trajectory where God was actually moving me into good places. Yeah. So I moved out of the college, moved into their home, and suddenly I went from being very lonely because I had no real home. Because when you're from the country but you live in a room, yeah, you don't have a home. It's an imprisonment almost. Well, it's not imprisonment, but you just don't belong anywhere. Yeah. It's a temporary thing. Temporary. And so suddenly I had a home and I had a family. Yeah. And I just blossomed. Yeah, and they, they were discipling you as well. They were. Yeah, it was discipleship. And one night she said, Diane was the... Uh, lady of the house. The lady of the house. They didn't have any kids. They were only seven years older than me and um, eight years older than me, six years older than me, whatever. And she said to me, gee, the young people at South Perth really love having you around. Yeah. And I said, really? And she said, oh, yeah, they love having you around. And I remember thinking, either I believe that or not. Mm. And I thought, if I believe it, I've got to live differently. That's right. And so I chose to believe what she said was true. Yeah. And so I started then to move towards them a lot more intentionally. Yeah. And I found it was true. And you were second, third year now? Uh, that was uh, third year uni, so I was 20. Okay. And that was really like, there's a proverb that says, like apples of gold in settings of silver yeah. are words spoken in right circumstances. Wow. And those words were an apple of gold and a setting One of sentence. silver. Changed my life. Mm. I tell them often how they changed my life, you know. Beautiful. Because they're still in that church. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so... And then you finished college? Uh, I finished uni. Yeah, so in the meantime, I'd met my now wife. At at church there? No. um, Her brother I'd met the week before we went to boarding school. Yeah. We had a tennis tournament that we were playing on Mm -hmm. the Australia Day holiday. Yeah. And uh, I'd met my now brother-in-law. We were playing against each other and we beat him. We won the title for that yeah. year. Yeah. I go to Scotch the next year and he's in the boarding house. Mm. So we didn't become best friends, but we were both Church of Christ. He was from a place called Muck and Buden. I know Muck and Buden. You've been to Muck and Buden? I've interviewed people from Muck and Buden. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> I, anyway, I, I need to go there because I, I've got so many people... I know so many people from there. Yeah, muck and Buden. They used to have T-shirts, muck is where it's at. Okay. <laughs> so um, I met him and then, uh, long story short, I ended up uh, going to the farm one weekend with my cousin. Yeah. And out of that, I started going out with one of his sisters. Oh. Uh, so that was about the same time I moved into Como with this family. Yeah. And uh, she was still, she was in year 12, so a bit younger. I was 20, she was 17. And then um, 
we broke she broke it off about the September and I think it's because her dad put the hard word on her to do some study and pass your exams. Of course. And then we started going out again together. After um, the exams? No, in, it would have been May the next year. Yeah. It's funny because I thought she's the only one that I've, I've, been dro- I've been dropped by a lot of girls, but she's the only one I, I don't think I gave a reason why I should be dropped. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so we then got married three years later. So that was Good. the best thing to come out of Scotch College. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, yeah, so I uh, finished uh, fourth year uni and by that time I'd got a lot of uh, involved in a lot of ministry in the church and running youth groups. And Oh, you already, your leadership was coming through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was a prayer coordinator for the young adults. So we had a singing group that we used to go around to different churches. And I'm always sing. curious about this. You know, uh, they say that, you know, there's two schools of thought. One is that leaders uh, are born and other you know, school of thought is that leaders are made. Do you think you've always had it in you? No, definitely made. Definitely made. For me, definitely made it. Who made you? Well, there's all these little things I've shared, like the words of giving me confidence that these people actually enjoy having their own. I know, but something inside of your DNA must have been deposited. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. It just needed activation. It needed activation, Yeah. Because that really activated. Because now I'm a, I'm a, a, one of my biggest gifts and abilities is connecting people. I know, but what I'm saying is, it probably awakened something in you because yeah. it wasn't something that you learned as a. I mean, you're a maths teacher, right? Yeah. So maths, it's very you know structured. Yeah. If if I do this, then I get that. It's yeah. almost like a pseudocode, you know, like it's Turbo formula. Pascal. Formula. Yeah, it's a okay. formula. But in your leadership development, it wasn't a formula, wasn't. Was um, I don't think so. I think it was just a lot of inputs that God brought into my life that just actually released me into some confidence is a big thing for yeah, me it was. Obviously. So what happened was when your confidence came, your abilities just sprung out. So mm. those must have been in you. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's interesting. It's fascinating. You know, mm. I'm, I'm very interested in human behavior. Yeah. So, you know, how... Because... For a while, I used to, you know, I used to go with Maxwell, you know, thinking, yeah, you can make anyone a leader. But I tell you what, I've seen some really awkward leaders out there. Yeah. I think you can make everybody a manager, but a top leader, yeah. they must have some skills in their blood, in their DNA yeah. that need to come out. Yeah, I think you can bring a leader to a certain level through skills, but beyond that, there has to be some natural ability. Yeah, I mean... My, I'm not a, um, I'm not a senior pastor of a church. Yeah, that's not anything I've ever desired. Yeah, I, I work better where I have a structure or where I'm working in a team. Okay, you know, so uh, a friend we worked with in India, he said, David, you are my number one, number two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said, no the one, in, no one in India wants to be number two. Yeah, but he said, you know that your role is. Is a number two. You're an associate. Yeah, second IC. You're not. You're not the one that says, "Let's take this hill." Let's take. Maybe this we mountain. should do a course. Uh, How to, to be IC. a good OT. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. I don't think you know. I don't even know if there's a book on such things. <laughs> I don't know. It would be interesting. It would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Second yeah. in charge. People said to me uh, at different points, "Why? How come you're not the senior pastor of our church?" And I said, well, if I was the senior pastor, we would probably have a lot of fun. But not and we'd do a, lot a lot of traction. relational stuff, but 
we might not hold to a strategy. Yeah. Because I get distracted by people. Yeah. You know, I can still lead where I need to in yeah. certain scenarios. But yeah. in terms of leading the Overall, ship. Overall, yeah. It's not my strength. Yeah, yeah. No, I that's fine. Better. But I think the beauty of this is that you know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're comfortable in, yeah. in, in this role. Yeah. Because a lot of guys who are second IC or, you know, the second in charge, they dream to one day take the helm. Yeah. You know, to be at the helm. Yeah. Whereas for you, no, you. this is it. This, this is, is it. This, this is your calling. Yeah. I think that's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. That's good. You know? And uh, so you, you married your wife. What's her yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I taught for two years in Northern. Oh, so that's where you were sent. Yeah, I... I, um, was she in Perth or was yeah, she in She was Macca? in Perth studying at, um, she studied university. She became a phys ed teacher. Okay. So at she was UWA studying at UWA. Well. Yeah. yeah, okay. Um, so we were there for one year together. I was in fourth year, she was in first year. Okay. So we used to meet in the library. Nice, <laughs> quietly, <laughs> as you do. Fourth bookshelf, you know. Um, yeah, so I taught in Northern for two years, which is only 100Ks now. Yeah. And... Uh, we uh, got involved in I got involved in ministry up there. I preached my first sermon in the church up there. We, so you lived in Norman. You moved to Norman. Yeah, I lived to Northern. Yeah, moved Northern, to Northern. Sorry. Yeah. Um, stayed uh, with a couple, an older couple, retired couple, and uh, taught in taught in the school. Uh, I was part of the leadership of the youth group on a Friday night. So there was a Church of Christ there. there yeah, as well. strong Church of Christ there, and I uh, got a lot of good friends out of that experience. Nice and. Um, so then in uh, my second year up there, we got engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was 23 at that point. My wife was 20. Uh, we got engaged and uh, we got married in the, the January of 79, which was going into my third year of teaching. So I got a transfer. I bought a house in, uh, in Kensington, the same house we live in now. Yeah. <laughs> it's yep. been changed a bit. But, As you do. Um, so, we, uh, so I got a transfer back to Perth and I got sent to Quinana oh. Senior High School, which did not thrill me at all. The, no. free, the freeway finished at about Canning Bridge. Yeah. Uh, and Quinana had a rough name, a name of being a rough school. Yeah. Oh, it was. I yeah. mean, state housing. Yeah, mostly, you know. uh, most, a lot of state housing. The so, houses were 10 grand back then in Quinana. Yeah. They were. Yeah, they were. They weren't much more up in the city either. So, yeah, so we were married and um, she was finishing off university and I was... Um, Had that accepted you? That was really interesting. I um, It was uh, the football grand final. I went to the footy with him. Um, WACFA or the AFL? The Waffle. The Waffle. The Waffle, yeah. yeah. There was no AFL then. And so the Waffle... And luckily our teams weren't playing because we were quite competitive and against each other. We barracked for different teams. And I knew that I had to ask him if we could get married between the Oval and their home in Swanbourne. Then they were heading back to Mucker. So anyway, the game finishes and we're heading out there and I get about 200 metres from the house and I said, oh, uh, Raymond's my wife's name. She, I said, uh, we're wondering if we could get engaged next weekend. And he was uh, said nothing. She was in the car with you? No, 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 she wasn't there. Just you and Just us two. Man to man. And then he goes, um, why next weekend? I said, and this is September. I said, oh, we want to get married in January. He goes, January? No way, mate. I thought, oh, this doesn't sound good. <laughs> but we got married in January. <laughs> yeah. He, his thinking was, you get married, 10 months later you have kids, she's going to leave uni and waste all that money that we invested in her. Yeah. 
we didn't have kids for seven years, so after that they kept asking us, when are you having kids? It was the other way around. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny. Uh, I married my wife while she, while she was in uni. She just finished the first year. Yeah. And I think they feared, the parents uh, feared <laughs> that she won't finish uni. In fact, yeah. I support her. We loved it. She finished uni and she did really well. And we yeah. had kids afterwards. Yeah. Uh, but similar very similar. Story. Very similar <laughs> yeah. story. Yeah. So anyway, going to Quinana was, um, it was actually really good for me. Yeah. Um, Ministry-wise as well. Yeah, it was. We, we so ran you taught a, high school maths? Yeah, high school mathematics. And it just... All from year seven to twelve. No, no, we didn't have seven in high school, and it's just eight to twelve. Yeah. But um, so I was one of the upper school teachers there, which was great. I got into upper school teaching early. So that's year 11 and 12. that's quite good maths. Like yeah. you'd have to be pretty good at maths. Yeah, yeah. And so that was really helpful, and we had a really strong math staff there, mm-hmm. and that was really great. We were we were a team. The know? maths teachers. A lot of fun, yeah. and and there was no. There was a lot of support for each other. So it was really helpful to be in that group. And the kids also got it. The kids got it, yeah. Usually the, the kids were, um, some of them lower ability, but there was a lot of respect there. You, you know? made sure that they... Yeah. And I, I learned a lot about caring for kids there. Yeah. I learned a lot about uh, kids that don't have a lot going for them and yeah. just not expecting these kids that have got fairly rough backgrounds yeah. to want to do mathematics real, really like whatever. But no, I had a great time at, um, at Quinard. I had four years there, a lot of good memories. We even took a ski trip over to Melbourne uh, to the, the snows one time. Just uh, That was a fun time. With the kids? Yeah, a group of us. Mate, that. that's phenomenal. You know, yeah. I look back, I, I studied at Camberwell High School in Victoria and Melbourne. Yeah. And uh, let me tell you, the best teacher that I ever had was our maths teacher, Terry Weimer. His name was... He was a university professor who was teaching maths and uh, he realized that the students that were coming out of high school into university to study maths had two major problems. One, they didn't love mathematics. They were only doing it, you know, to to to. get to places in engineering or, you know, to become teachers. And number two, uh, they weren't good at it. Yeah. He would spend the first year of university bringing them up to scratch yeah. so they, yeah. he can teach them the real deal. So then he thought, mate, if I want to make a difference in this world, i got to go to high school to teach people. Yeah. So what he did <clears throat> is he came to high school and he taught us to love maths and be good at it. Yeah. And in his class, I mean, his EQ was just unbelievable. He had a high IQ, in fact, one of the highest IQ in the nation, uh, because later on I saw him on TV. And, uh, you know, he won the highest IQ among the teachers. Wow. But he chose, I mean, his EQ was even better. Yeah. He came in thongs and stubbies at school, at high school, uh, with long hair, and he taught us maths. Yeah. No one was left behind. Yeah. His, he would just do one formula and about five, six exercises and then he would let us do another three, four ourselves. Yeah. He wouldn't move on until everybody got it. Yeah. And then it, it just seems, it seems seamless, you know, effortless. Yeah. You know, I look back, m- most of the kids that finished year 12 with Terry Weimer were into, you know, I, I actually, after that, I went to RMIT. Listen to this. I, I did applied physics, supplied science, physics and computing, nine units of maths. You know, radiology, uh, people went into aerodynamics. They went into 
all this crazy engineering stuff at RMIT, at Swinburne, everywhere, because he made them love maths. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, out of those classes, most of those kids just thrived in whatever field they went yeah. into. So as you said, you know, the teachers in mathematics, such a vital role in yeah, high school. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I think I was a good teacher and uh, I had a re- pretty good relationship with most of the kids. And where was your, uh, your wife sent to? Well, she was still at uni. Um, so I guess just on that period of time also, there was some significant things happened that really changed my life forever again. Um, I was given the opportunity to go on a, um, it was called Venture for Victory basketball trips. So there was mission basketball teams to the Philippines and mm-hmm. Hong Kong. They love basketball in both totally. countries. Well, Philippines is Philippines, crazy. yeah, there's a basketball court everywhere. Yeah. And there was a ministry organised that you'd play two or three games a day for about three weeks and uh, share the gospel and Bible correspondence courses and lead people to Christ. And so I was given an opportunity to do that in my first year of uh, marriage. Yeah. And uh, so I thought, well, am I good enough? And uh, we've got no money. Anyway. How many weeks? Four weeks. Four weeks. So it was all of January, basically, the whole school holidays. On your own? With your wife? No, no, not with my wife, just with the team. Yeah. Australian group of guys from Australia. And uh, so I, I went on that. I got picked and we, the money came in from different things miraculously. And I went on that, totally changed my understanding of mission, you know, yeah. of world events. I went again the next year. So I spent my first two wedding anniversaries in the Philippines <laughs> <laughs> out of all communication. She forgave you? Oh, she was quite happy, yeah. Right. So she was at the beach with her parents, yeah. so she was fine. Yeah. Um, and I knew at the end of my that second trip that I'd be full time in ministry somewhere. Yeah. Sometime in the future. Yeah. And we actually, while I was still at Quinana, we pushed the edges in terms of going to um, the Philippines because they had a, a big school for missionaries kids over there mm-hmm. called Faith Academy, and they wanted Australian teachers because they had more and more Australian um, um, missionaries in the Philippines. Yeah. And they wanted them prepared for the Australian university system. Yep. So I thought, yeah, we could do that for two years. Yeah, I could teach maths, you could teach maths or phys ed. And Moved there for two years. Two years, yeah. But no no mission organisation wanted us. Ah. They said, if you're not going to come for life, don't come. Wow. We want you to go to three years Bible college. And I thought, where are you going? And now I can see God knew what he was doing because there's no way in the world I could have lived in a nation like that. Yeah. It would have killed me. And that's what they said. They said, if you're there for two years, yeah. after six months, you'll have a bad experience. You'll start counting days. Yeah. So we didn't go. Yeah. Um, but I've realized since then that short-term mission trips, whether it's two weeks, four weeks, whatever, they just energize me to the yeah. max. Yeah. You know, I can go and do what needs to be done um, and uh, have a great time. So, yeah, so that was during that Quinana High School time. Mm-hmm. where I suddenly got a whole new understanding of mission yeah. and my part in it, and yeah. uh, I loved it. Yeah. Wonderful. And then you went to? Uh, so then we, um, I had where, four years at Quinana. Where was she uh, given she that first was, job? Uh, she was giving a, her first teaching job was at a school called uh, North Lake. Okay. Still and, south? Yeah, just at North Lake Road. It's yeah. now a senior college, but... Very tough school. And she probably had the worst... High school? Year. Yeah. Phys ed. Phys ed. But she 
was given the opportunity of a mathematics job and she took it. That was her second area. Yep. And she probably had the worst year of her life because the, the senior master did not care for her at all, gave her the worst classes. Mm-hmm. Timetable was shocking and she just got slaughtered. First year out of uni. Yeah, really tough. So that was uh, in my fourth year at Quinana. I then transferred out of Quinana to Perth Modern School, yep. which wasn't an academic school then. It was a music scholarship school and an intensive language school. So we had 70 nationalities. Yeah. So once again, my understanding of the, na- the nations grew yeah. again. Yeah, anthropology, one on one. So they, the other, because she was going into phys ed, the phys ed um, head office thought, oh, your husband's down at Quinana, we'll put you in Quinana in the phys ed course. Yeah. But I'd moved out. Yeah. So she went into my carpool and just taught at Quinana. And because I had a reasonably good reputation down there, the kids said, oh, you missed this, are you? And so she had a, a good link in, but they also had a great phys ed staff there. Mm-hmm. And so that was a great year. So that was in 1983. Yeah. And then uh, we had also applied at that time to go to Canada on exchange. Okay, as teachers. Exchange teacher. Yeah, yeah, where I get a job over in Canada, they get a Both job here, we switch houses. Yeah. She couldn't apply because she hadn't been teaching long enough. Okay. But she would come as my spouse. And so he said, Lord, if you want that to happen, then you make the connection. Yeah. So we got offered a place in uh, Toronto, Canada. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I'm not sure I want to go. And she said, but we prayed. And this <laughs> well, is the answer. I said, yeah, but you're just going to have a holiday. I'm going to work, you know. It might be like a welcome back Cotter type situation. But I think one thing that really helped me was going to Perth Mod. I had a lot of the different nationalities. Yeah. And so we went to Canada for the year mm-hmm. and uh, it was just heaven. Yeah. I think I raised my voice once for the whole year. It in was the just, class, the kids. Yeah, and it was a very multicultural school I was in as yeah. well. And we just had so much fun. High level of respect and honor. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not always like that. Yeah. So and what did she do? Uh, she did a lot of relief teaching. There was a okay. special deal for um, spouses of, of uh, exchange teachers that they could get a one-year visa yeah. and do relief teaching. So she did relief teaching. Oh, beautiful. She once did relief teaching for me while I went on a course. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. And she did maths. <laughs> yeah, she did yeah, maths that time. But yeah. She had a great time. We, we both. It was another year of our life because our church had been through some tough times in a, the two years before that. Mm. And it's almost like God just gave me a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I was only I was a deacon. So, what church did you connect with in Toronto? Uh, the Toronto, uh, the People's Church. Okay, which is Oswald Smith. Okay, he started the whole faith promise giving. Okay, and so it was so a, this was another level. Oh, it was fantastic. It was a church of about two thousand, two and a half thousand. Yeah, and his motto was, "I want to go and do missions, and when I'm out of the country, I want someone better than me preaching." Yeah. So we had a smorgasbord of the best people in the world preaching. Yeah. You know, he wasn't afraid. He Richard have... Wormbrand was there and oh. all these different guys, you know, and it's just like heaven. He's Romanian, you know? Yeah, I know he is. As I mentioned him, he was a famous Romanian. Yeah. So we had him preaching and we had a, a two-week missions week and oh, it was just, it was one of the highlights of uh, being in Canada able to wow. go to the people. So you, you, when you came back, you had so much fullness yeah. of the word, of the spirit, of yeah. the life. And, and yeah. mostly the mission. You were on steroids. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, mission steroids. Yeah. Which, um, I mean, we do it out of here, but probably more on a relaxed level, whereas yeah. 
there is quite aggressive in the sense, you know, it's driven into you every yeah. week. Yeah. You know? So that was that was great. And then uh, came back and my wife got a job at South Fremantle High teaching phys ed and I went back into Perth Mod. Um, she got pregnant and we had our first baby at the end of that year, so she stopped teaching and... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was at Perth Mod and then um, I loved teaching maths. really loved it. Mm-hmm. I could have stayed there for the rest of my life. Yeah. But I had this uh, thing about vocational ministry. And so uh, one of the guys on staff at our church said, why don't you come on here? On, why don't on you staff. come on staff at our church? Yeah. As the, the second youth pastor dealing with a different... I thought, well, I could see myself working under him, but uh, I probably didn't ask enough questions. Yeah. And I said yes, and the church, for whatever reason, voted me in. Okay. And um, you had to go to a congregational vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's probably based on their knowledge of me because yeah. I was pretty, pretty popular with the church. By then, you had been there for fifteen years. Yeah, or so. a lot of credits and yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of relational uh, values there. So, so anyway, yeah, that um, I resigned at the end of '88, and uh, we had just built our building down in um, Collier Pines oh. area. Yeah. We'd moved from the Kensington suburbia. And so we'd moved in there and three weeks later I started full-time in ministry. Wow. So I went from, and, and the church was under financial stress and uh, our paychecks were bouncing and uh, we couldn't sell the old building and one of the board members suggested that one of the staff should get another job and I thought, far out. I went home and sat on the back step and just cried. I thought I used to be an asset and now I'm a liability, you know. Wow. It was really tough, and I, I was a bit ticked off with God because then the guy that was committed there for 10 years that I was working with, yeah. he leaves. Oh. And I thought, far out. And then the other two guys leave. So uh, two and a half years later, I'm the only pastor. <laughs> I thought, God, you are hilarious. This is a really challenging, interesting time, you know. Yeah, but time. no one was putting pressure on me to make anything happen, you know. Yeah. Um, so there were, we had a receptionist and me, and that was the staff. And we had about 250 people in the church, you know. Wow. So that was, uh, that was an interesting, interesting stage of life. You had to rebuild. Yeah. And then the next year, we, John Bond joined as the senior minister. Awesome. And John was a very, uh, he's quite strong in leadership and yeah. setting up processes and things like that. And uh, we started to run pretty hard after that. Yeah. Mm. So then, since then, my role changed regularly. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, yeah, so that would have been, John started at the end of 92. Um, but. And you're still with live streams now? Still there now. And what's your role at the moment? Uh, my role at the moment, I'm only, um, I'm down to three days a week. Yeah. I, I should say I'm paid three days a week. I yeah. might work five <laughs> or six or, or six or seven or, or eight. three. No, I don't do seven or eight, but. Um, it's sort of good time. I mean, I'm 66 now. I've yeah. got a bit of freedoms. I've got a bit of space. And uh, so my role is I do a bit of preaching. Yeah. Um, the men men's ministry, I do the prayer ministry. Um, we have a group of shepherding elders that uh, we divided our leadership a couple of, uh, 10 years ago to be a governance board and the shepherding elders, which yeah. are just care and share. So they're yeah. the decision making. They're not. I work with them. Um, I do a bit of the pastoral stuff. My my go to ministry would be the connecting new people into the church. Yeah, you know, that sort of stuff. So, I guess I'm. Uh, when people say, "What do you do?" I say, "I just talk to people." Yeah, <laughs> I help them nice. come into the church. I meet them. If yeah, 
So, yeah, as I said, we had the Bible college running for a while there and I nearly burnt out with that because I had part-time church, part-time yeah. Bible college. Yeah. I nearly burnt out with that and knocked me around a bit. But um, God's good. Wonderful. Um, yeah. My my favourites is still the, the training and teaching of people overseas. Yeah. COVID, so every time when you COVID go down. knocked that a bit. Yeah. But, um, so you used to go annually once or twice. Oh, two or three times a year. Yeah. To different places. But Nepal is the favourite. You know, you've got 250 Nepalese leaders sitting in front of you. They're all... Hungry. Well, they're all Hindu converts. Yeah. They've all been saved by a miracle. They know yeah. the difference between darkness and light. They've planted a church. They're planting another church. Yeah. Anything I can give them to, to fan They'll the flame on what's going on, I'll, I just want to give it to yeah. them. You know? You're so humble when you go there. You just realise what these people are. I'm, when I'm you just, listen to their stories. I mean, all. Yeah. I, 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 said to him, I said to him, uh, you know, you guys are in the Bible, yeah. Acts 29. I said, look yeah. it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, it hadn't been written yet. You're writing it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. I've actually climbed uh, Manaslu there. I've, I've climbed the mountains in the Himalayas. Yeah. And we, we support a, a um, orphanage there and yep. ministers and pastors. Yeah. And until COVID, we used to go there as well. And do yeah. In fact, um, I was booked to go there, uh, you know, in April uh, during Last COVID. Year. Yeah. yeah, I was meant to go in March. Uh, so we had our tickets, everything was ready. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, COVID hit, so we couldn't go. But nevertheless I mean it's just a mission it's interesting a lot of the times when we go into mission uh, you you ask yourself this question am I blessing them more or are they blessing me more because yeah. you, you come back it's a both end yeah it's mutual it's like that um, what Romans 1 10 I think it is that this mutual encouragement of faith yeah which That's is what good. it's about so what's next for you what's the legacy you're building in this stage of life um it's interesting, about 25 years ago, God gave me two verses that sort yep. of define who I am. And one was 1 Corinthians 14.3 that says, The man who prophesies speaks to people for their encouragement, yep. comfort and strength. Mm-hmm. And 1 Thessalonians 2.12, which says, it talks about Paul um, being in, uh, like a father. Yeah. And it says, uh, encouraging, strengthening, and urging people to live lives worthy of God who calls them into his kingdom and glory. Wow. And I read those a few months apart, and I thought, that's what actually I do. So I call it EXU, E-C-S-U, encouraging, comforting, strengthening, and urging. So that's basically the flavor of my ministry, whether I'm with a non-Christian. Encouraging, comforting, strengthening, and urging. So whether I'm with a non-Christian whether I'm with a pastor, whether I'm with a new Christian, that's the flavor of what I want to bring, or that's yeah. what I do bring into the situation. Beautiful. Like, you know, I've just had five weeks ministry up in Christmas Island, which wow. people laugh at because they see my photos of fishing and all this sort of stuff. But little church up there, you know, with no pastor and maybe 25 to 40 come to church on a Sunday. They might have 50 total, but they work and all that. And that was my flavor up there, just to encourage, comfort, so we can still fly to Christmas Island. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's West Australia. That's wow. an Australian. Well, thing. I need an escape. I'll take <laughs> you on that. <laughs> yeah. So that's probably my my legacy. Where I go in terms of retirement, I can't see that I'd ever retire. Mm-hmm. I'm financially in a place now. We're not in debt. We've we could um, live on on very little. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. could uh, not be paid. Uh, I won't tell my senior senior minister. No, that no, we'll cut that out. <laughs> 
but I could, um, yeah, I could, um, we could, we could just be free to minister around the state. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love and mentoring you, you, and Your coaching. strength is in equipping, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. I do love evangelism as well, but it's more the equipping of the saints yeah. for the work of ministry. That's well, the God has deposited so much in you. He has. And I, as I say, the more, the older I get, the more I just, I'm, I'm so aware of the grace, the goodness and the faithfulness of God. You know, that, that song, The Goodness of God. Yeah. It, it's my go-to song for the last two or three years. When I first heard it, I thought, far out. It just brings a tear to my eye. All my life you have been, been faithful. faithful. All my days you've been so, so good. So the grace of God, which I never really understood in in Harvey and the church then, or even in the early days of South Perth, I always saw God as someone who was looking for where I went wrong. Yeah. And it was only probably 25 years ago I got an understanding of this God is actually for me. Mm. He's on my team. He's never against me. That's right. You know, he he just wants to fan the flame on everything Mm. good. He delights in me. And someone once said to me, there's a picture of you on his mantelpiece. <laughs> and I think, wow, he just wants to give me a hug. Yeah. And so that was different to what I grew up with. Yeah. This this whole idea of God is, ah, you've done something wrong again. Yeah. You know, whereas now I just think God's on my team and he just loves me. Oh, that's beautiful. So if I can bring that through to people as well, mm. and that's what I wanted to bring to the Christmas Island people, just say, you know, God is so for you. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for fanning the flame in us because yeah. you have, and I'm sure for our listeners well, and our so. people yeah. out there the same. Thank you. Well, you've heard another amazing story. David uh, just loves to encourage people, to strengthen people, uh, to urge people, to strengthen you. Uh, and uh, I'm sure through his story, he has done that. And also to flame the flame inside of you, to ignite that passion and flame it again because you have a call of God on your life as well. Yeah, yeah. And as David said, he never wants to retire. He wants to refire. So there's never retirement in God's kingdom. There's always work to be done. There's legacy to be built. There's people to be loved and encouraged and equipped. And the legacy carries on. So don't give up in this season, whatever it is in your life. Build for the future and build God's kingdom one person at a time. Love those people. Encourage those people that you come across and become a people person just like David. Uh, also, we'd love for you to share this content with other people so others are strengthened and encouraged and built up and urged to do the work of ministry. And if you have an opportunity, as soon as the borders open, wherever you are in the world, go into cross-cultural missions on short term as soon as possible because that will change your life for good. Yeah. And you will love and from then onwards, I know that you will go every year and you will continue to bless the world. The world needs missionaries at the moment, especially because it couldn't travel. Most people couldn't travel. And uh, now it's an amazing opportunity to, to release those people to go out there. So be among the first ones who go out there and minister to those who are lost for God's glory. We'll see you again next time at Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate, and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.